When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, don't don't go too far on the crypto speculation front. So, so uh, disposable income is okay, but don't yeah. bet the farm on don't, it? Don't bet the farm on crypto. Right. <laughs> don't bet the farm on crypto, to be clear. <laughs> if you clicked on this video, you're probably somewhat concerned about a stock market bubble and the prices of assets going up like crazy over the past year. We've got to the point where even Elon Musk here is instructing people to not bet the farm on crypto. He says that it's speculative and you should only have a small portion of your money in highly speculative investments. And I mean, first of all, I, I think people should not invest uh, their life savings in cryptocurrency, to be clear. I think that's unwise. Uh, but I mean, if you want to sort of, you know, you know, speculate and kind of like, I don't know, maybe have some fun. I mean, it's like there's a good chance that crypto is the future currency of Earth. And then it's like, well, which one is it going to be? You know, um, and maybe it'll be multiple. Uh, but um, but it should be considered speculation at this point. Um, and so, you know, don't don't go too far on the crypto speculation part. He talks about it being speculative again. Speculation is when an asset has a high degree of uncertainty and a high amount of risk. It's very clear that we're seeing high levels of speculation in the market. One example is Dogecoin the internet meme cryptocurrency that started out literally as a joke and it crossed a market cap of over $10 billion, a $10 billion valuation for an internet meme. To put that in perspective, Dogecoin had a higher valuation than Shake Shack and Texas Roadhouse, two restaurants with hundreds of locations across the US. Now, speculation like this with Dogecoin going up to $10 billion, this might seem new. This might seem like a unique circumstance, but it's really not. History is full of examples of incredible speculation. The classic historical example is in 1636, where the Dutch society, for whatever reason, went crazy over exotic tulips. They were spending up to a year's salary on the rare bulbs in hopes of reselling them for a profit later. This got so bad that according to some reports, bulbs could change hands upwards of 10 times a day. So this is very frequent trading. This is an investment. They're just buying and selling these tulip bulbs every day as fast as they can. Prices skyrocketed at one point, increasing 1,100% in a month. That's how much the price of a tulip bulb increased in a single month. Sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Now, of course, like most speculative investments that have been traded up to very high prices that have very little intrinsic value or practical application, the tulip bulb came crashing back down in price. Moving on from the 1600s, we can see another example that's lesser known, the South Sea Company. This is a speculative frenzy based around rumors of companies. The price of stock went up over the course of a single year from $100 to almost $1,000 per share. Its success caused a countrywide frenzy, herd behavior, as all types of people from peasants to lords developed a feverish interest in investing. The speculation and frenzy surrounding the South Sea Company is similar to Tulip Mania. In both cases, the thing that people were buying had no real underlying value. It had very little intrinsic value, but people bought into it heavily because of herd behavior. They saw the price of something going up dramatically and quickly, and they wanted to be a part of it. 
And then, of course, we have more modern examples like the dot-com bubble in 2000, where tech companies dropped up to 80% in value. We have the housing crash in 2007, where lots of homes lost about 40 to 50% in value in just a year or two. And then we have lots of examples of things that seem a little bubbly, things that seem like the market's becoming a little bit frothy. GameStop going to a $20 billion market cap in a couple days, Dogecoin becoming a $10 billion market cap. We have record high stock prices, crypto prices, real estate prices. It seems like things are becoming very expensive. Even the price of non-speculative investments like big tech, great companies like Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and Facebook, they've gone up dramatically in value. They've had multiple expansions where they're trading at very high PE ratios. This has left a lot of people believing that we're in another bubble, like the 2000.com bubble. And in this episode, I want to take a look at that. I want to see how this situation we're in right now compares with the 2000.com bubble. And I want to look at steps we can take to protect our portfolios and our investments if we do have a bubble. Now to compare our current environment with the 2000.com bubble, I want to look at some research by somebody named Corey Wang. He was an equity analyst at Bernstein. And some of the insights he has on this, I think, are great. For instance, he goes through giving us lessons of the dot-com bubble. Lesson one, everyone knew it was a bubble. Unfortunately, the saying, it's not a bubble if everyone says it is, just isn't true. Investors were comparing the internet sector to tulip mania as early as mid-98. Bernstein held an entire conference on it in June 99. So people were predicting the bubble of the 2000.com crash before it crashed. Lots of people are pointing it out. It wasn't something that snuck up in the dark. Lesson number two, it's easy to call out bubbles. It's easy to say that we're in a bubble right now or that the market will eventually have some type of, of pullback or bear market, but it's very difficult to time. Timing it is where most people are wrong. Bernstein research in 1999 outlined a bunch of things that seemed like erratic behavior from investors. For instance, they say, Companies with strong price momentum led by 5% last month, which was the best performance in January since 1950s. The extreme nature of this behavior suggests it could reverse abruptly. Basically saying that when prices go up dramatically in quick fashion, sometimes they come back down dramatically in quick fashion. Then Bernstein's analysis even gets more revealing. They outline that the technology sector was being valued in 1999 at 55 times P.E., 55 times forward earnings. That is an incredibly high valuation. They say at present, investors believe we are at a major inflection point and that future rates of growth will exceed historic norms beyond 50%. Where have you heard that before? That we're at some type of inflection point, that there's no price too high for companies because the growth in these companies will be beyond anything we can imagine. It'll be dramatic growth ahead. That's what they were outlining in 1999, the very high expectation investors had of these new internet companies. And they say in the past, expectations at that high level have led to disappointment and underperformance. And we advise that technology weighting should be reduced. So Bernstein Research and other analyst firms actually did call the bubble. They knew that things were getting too expensive. They knew that investors were pricing in with too much optimism, and they advised against it. But they were not able to time it correctly. Lesson three, nobody knew the bubble popped until months after it did. We can look at another Bernstein Research paper that was given March of 2000. This is the very same month it peaked, and the analysts had no clue. They say that the new economy sells at 86 times trailing earnings. Imagine that. 
86 times trailing earnings or 3.5 times the P.E. ratio of the old economy. And just to give this a visual, I'll throw a graph up there showing what the new prices of these companies were, the new economy compared to the old economy or what they had traditionally been priced at. Look at the difference. Investors were willing to pay any amount for these companies. But even in March of 2000, analysts had no clue that the dot-com bubble was bursting. They didn't realize it until two months later. Lesson number four, calling this a tech bubble or a dot-com bubble is a misnomer because it wasn't just tech companies that were in this bubble, it was any large cap growth company. There was companies like Microsoft that traded at 70 times earnings at their peak, but there was also companies like Coca-Cola, which traded at 43 times earnings, or Pfizer that traded at 92 times earnings. Every stock on this list, from Philip Morris to Procter & Gamble to Walmart to Coca-Cola all of them took over 10 years to recover in price after this bubble popped. And then lesson number five, most large cap tech stocks in the bubble had real businesses with strong fundamentals. These weren't bad companies. You can reference the list we just looked at. We had companies like Microsoft and Walmart and Pfizer and Merck. These are great companies that are still around today. The problem in 2000 was investors paid extreme prices for them. They paid way too much for these companies and that's what caused the bubble. So what do we do in this situation? I'm trying to look at my portfolio here. I have $200,000 invested in the stock market. This is a lot of money to me. This is a huge amount of my net worth. And I don't want to lose this money to some huge market crash, right? I don't want to be a part of a huge bubble. So one thing I look at is valuations now compared to the 2000.com bubble. That paper mentioned that companies like Microsoft were valued at 70 times earnings. Today, Microsoft is valued at around 33 times earnings. So even though Microsoft might be a little expensive right now, it's nowhere near as expensive as it was in the year 2000. And this is a trend we see with a lot of tech companies today. They were much more expensive in the year 2000. Another huge difference between right now and the dot-com bubble is the amount that these companies actually make in profits. Look at the profits of Apple, Google, Facebook, and Amazon. In 2020, they made a combined $154 billion in net profits. That's not revenue. Apple and Amazon are revenueing in one quarter over $100 billion. But just in profits, these four companies combined made over $150 billion in profit in one year. So right now, I don't personally believe that there's a huge stock market bubble. Instead, I think that people are getting wrapped up in the very speculative investments with very low intrinsic value. And I think that this is something that needs to be avoided. The first warning that I have to investors is to stop trying to take shortcuts. You will get burned doing this eventually. Here's a post from Reddit four days ago where somebody explains his journey in trying to get rich very quickly. He tried to take a shortcut. He says, for background, I'm 20. The markets have been very exciting lately. Huge gains have been made, but also huge losses. I am in the latter group. I saved money for most of my life and started investing during 2020 after the pandemic hit. I didn't want to trade. I just wanted to get into long-term investments and hold them. And that did work out pretty well. I was down in the red at certain points, but it was never a serious drop. And I was confident that my picks were good in the long run. I wouldn't go into details about my weighting, but my portfolio essentially combined Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Nike, Square, and a bunch of other blue chip tech companies. He goes on to say, then came GameStop. Several months ago, I neglected GameStop because I did not think that they were a good long-term investment. And so I did not buy them when they were $20 a share. So when I saw the stock jump to $40 and then to $60 in the span of hours, I thought that was crazy. So what did I do? Naturally, I got the fear of missing out. And when the stock was almost $400 a share, I bought into the hype because I actually believed in what the people 
over at the other subreddit were saying. Within a week, my portfolio dropped around 80%, $20,000. I thought that would be the best learning experience for me, but I bought into the weed hype this week and lost another few thousand dollars. All in all, I've lost 90% of my money in the past month. He goes on to say that this money that he's worked for and saved his entire life is gone over a couple stupid decisions. He got FOMO. He bought into these speculative investments. He says I can't sleep at nights and can't really focus on anything else. I've lost all interest in playing video games and my grades are starting to take a hit. This is really embarrassing for me and nobody knows I lost my money or stocks, nor do I want them to. I don't know if anyone needs to hear this, but please be careful with your money and don't invest more than you're willing to lose, especially young investors. We have such a long time horizon, there's no need to try to get rich quick. Conservative investing will compound over our lives. This person's going through a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering because he tried to take shortcuts in the market. He got lured into the mania, just like the people buying tulips in the 1600s. When you see this speculative fever, stay out of it. Do long-term investments. There is a better way to make money, and I promise you it's fun. I sit here and watch my account grow as dividends pour in and capital gains continue to compound. Overall, I've made almost $6,000 in dividends. I can look at my account activity and just look at the amount of money these companies are paying me for just holding them. I have Apple that just paid me $38. Then I have $6 from MasterCard. I have $20 from Verizon. $150 for JP Morgan. Thanks for that quarterly dividend, JP Morgan. I have $110 from AT&T. $15 from Comcast. $39 from Simon Property. $159 from Store Capital. And so on and so forth. This just goes on all the time. Every week I'm earning money from my portfolio and I'm doing that just sitting here and I'm not taking these high risk bets. There is no need to subject yourself to the pain that this investor has by trying to take shortcuts. I promise you it's not worth it. Now, on top of betting on speculative investments like this Redditor did that's causing him a lot of grief, we also have examples of individuals doing these speculative investments using leverage. They're using debt, which can dramatically amplify the severity of a loss. Mr. Vergara, a 25-year-old security guard in Virginia, started investing four years ago after deciding he wanted to retire young. That's one good way to retire young. You need to start investing very early if you want to do that, but you need to do sensible investments. It says to save money, he drives a 1998 Honda Civic, so he's making sacrifices driving an old vehicle. He eats a lot of rice and lives with his dad. He stashed away his savings mostly in diversified index funds. That's a very smart move as well, using index funds. Um, they're now valued at about $50,000. Then Mr. Vigara, a longtime reader of the Wall Street Bets page on Reddit, saw others posting about buying GameStop shares and the stock's colossal rise. So he started reading about GameStop on Wall Street Bets. He didn't want to touch his index fund investments, so instead he got a personal loan at an 11.19% interest rate at a credit union and used it to fund his GameStop purchase. So he didn't want to sell out of his, his index funds. He went to a credit union and got a loan at an 11% interest rate. And then he buys GameStop at $234 a share. Those shares, of course, that he bought at $230 closed on Friday at $52 a share, down 85% from their peak. He says, quote, I thought it could go up to $1,000. I really believed in the hype, which was an awful thing to do. Now, of course, Salvador Vergara here is not the only one that's getting sucked in 
to these hype stocks, these meme stocks and speculative investments, it's becoming more and more common. I see it on Reddit and I see it on TikTok. You see posts of people making money and then a lot of people follow into those trades and they end up losing a lot of money and putting themselves in a terrible situation. I encourage anybody listening to this to avoid doing that. Listen to Elon Musk. Don't bet the farm on it. Avoid speculation. Avoid these bubbles. If you avoid all these mini speculative bubbles like GameStop or Dogecoin and instead invest in solid companies, you're going to make gains. Disney was a company that I bought off of the premise of Disney Plus, a streaming service that I saw would have broad appeal and it now has 95 million people signed up for it. This is a company I've made $5,000 on so far. It's one that I plan to hold probably my entire life. We have other companies like Costco, Home Depot and Nike and Comcast and Target. And these are very easy investments. I just dollar cost average into them and I watch them compound over time. Of course, I have other investments in tech and cloud computing like Apple. This is one of the companies that I bought when I thought it was trading a lower PE ratio than it deserved. And it's been a pretty good investment. It's gone up $8,600. This is real money earned from real companies. You don't need to venture out to hype stocks and memes to earn good money. Now, I give frequent updates on this portfolio on this YouTube channel. So if you want to see how investing actually works with a conservative portfolio centered around generating passive income, make sure you subscribe to the channel because I'll have another video out this weekend. Until then, stay safe. I'll see you next time.